This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Monday, August 7th, 2023. We are barreling down towards the end of 2023. Can you believe it? We've got a timer. Uh, I should say my fiance has got a timer on her phone uh, for the wedding. We're counting down nine weeks till we get married. And uh, in a blink of an eye, it'll be the end of October. Uh, and the, the year might as well be over by then. Yeah, I'm really glad this has not been either as weird or as bad a year as the last few. And everything <laughs> since 2020 has just been. Just when you think it couldn't get worse, it does. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been plenty weird and plenty bad. Just not as bad as the three years before. <laughs> some grading on a curve? Is that... Uh... It's the calm before the storm. It's about to get really bad 2024. So let's enjoy what we have while we have it. So, uh... I'm watching Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I haven't watched any this week, but I was watching it last week to try and get ready to interview it or to review it. And the last one I saw was a crossover between it and Lower Decks. Lower Decks is their animated show. That's the one I watched for literally one episode and had to throw it away because it was causing me actual physical pain. <laughs> so they have some kind of transporter malfunction and uh, animated characters from Lower Decks end up coming into the live action Strange New Worlds and they become live action. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. I only saw hmm. like 30 seconds of it. And then apparently they have a musical episode the later this season that people were all up in arms about. So the year has been plenty weird, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, musical episode, yeah. great. Particularly in, in media entertainment. Um, I recently, um, it hasn't been weird for me, but, uh, I've had a pretty weird week and I won't go into detail, but, uh, I did have a couple of things that I wanted to mention. I, uh, I finished my journey, my sojourn into back into the world of Warcraft. Uh, I mentioned this a few episodes ago. Uh, I played it a little bit longer, checked a couple of things off my list, and uh, tried to experience some of what the latest expansion has to offer. I can't say that I recommend it. Um, I actually enjoyed going back through some of the older content in the expansions that I miss. Something that developed over the course uh, the past few years that I completely missed on out on, uh, which 
which I thought was interesting. They have mythic plus dungeons. Now, you're familiar with MMO rating, correct? Loosely. Get, get, get 20 to 40 people in a room and, you know, z- z- hack away at a dragon. Yeah, World, of Warcraft, World of Warcraft has always had five-player dungeons. They're sort of quick bite-sized. Some of them you complete in half an hour. In in vanilla World of Warcraft, in the original game, there were some of them that you could spend a whole afternoon in. But I digress. The latest competitive scene in World of Warcraft, and I mean latest for like the past maybe five years, is uh, uh, as Mythic Plus, it's these five-man dungeons that are tuned extremely difficult. And Bradford Walker in the comments nails it. Uh, this is what I ran into, and ultimately the reason why I... I, Well, reason number two why I set it aside. Reason number one being I simply don't want to dedicate all the time required to play everything that WoW has to offer. But World of Warcraft used to be a game where you'd have an entire expansion and several months of a new raid where they would open up a new, you know, a new dragon's lair or a new, you know, massive dungeon. And you'd get together with 20 of your buddies and go play in this raid. Well, now they've made the bleeding edge of the competitive game is that five man mythic plus thing where you have to have the absolute best gear you have to you know you have to tune your gear and your you know your characters talents and everything and abilities to those instances that are available and there's a certain number of dungeons actually taken from the current expansion and sometimes from previous expansions and and they're they're the maps in rotation for mythic plus so everybody's sort of at the bleeding edge of of ability and skill they're competing for the fastest times or the most clears or the highest difficulty cleared. Um, and it's a totally a seasonal game now. Uh, when I when I started playing again, I found that almost all the content from previous expansions was made obsolete. Which, fine, whatever. That kind of makes sense. You can go back and enjoy it, but... Um, it's not going to help your character get more powerful. It's not going to... Um, it's good if you like to make gold. Um, but the end game, the current expansion, isn't even relevant. Now all those big fun raids, raids that they come out with every um, major patch, they have... Uh, they're just ways for people to get gear they need to compete in their little mythic five mans. Uh, so it's it's finished the disintegration of those you know guilds that are built on you know one specific raid, you know one big raid with people, and now each guild is fielding one or more of these teams. Um, it makes for uh, th- that is one of the things that makes it for an unpleasant experience. The other thing being because of the rapid um, addition of all these uh, 
these seasons, like every minor patch, every few months, they're going to rotate maps and there's going to be new gear and a new dungeon or something. Uh, on top of that, Blizzard's actually done a really, really good job of making sure that there's always something to do when you log in. There's nonstop, there's always a few dozen quests out in the world that reset every day. If you like questing, you can you can literally do that for hours every day and never run out of stuff to do. You may end up repeating the same quests over and over again, but um, you've got that. Uh, the reputation grind, every minor patch, they're going to add a new reputation, um, complete with a, a total set of gear that sort of eclipses the power of the magic items that you get in the previous one. It, They basically not only made the treadmill faster, that old, that classic MMO treadmill of, you know, level up, get your stuff, and then, you know, grind on that, grind at that top level till they raise the bar, and then you have to repeat the process over again. So they've tightened that loop, and they've also made it so that you can never, ever be done which is fine because they want people logged in every week and paying every month, but um, it's exhausting. You know, if, especially if you're getting in later in an expansion and you want to do something like, well, I would like to outfit my character with some decent gear and find some people to raid with, for example. You just can't do that like it, the mental capacity required to do that is monumental uh it's it's just not fun um yeah bradford walker's got lots of great comments i'm not going to highlight them all um yeah most people bounce off that high-end scene fully a second job absolutely uh something that can be enjoyable i've actually enjoyed rating uh, i've done progression rating uh, i did it in the past years and years ago it's fun it just takes a lot of time um the season the seasonal nature of it is kind of uh disappointing uh because uh, as someone who's catching up you know I, I i spent maybe an hour doing some quests and i had some fun playing and i find out that you know the rewards for that time that i put in oh that was actually that was the first season's stuff you know, you can just do this one 15-minute thing over here and get superior equipment. Oh, no, I guess nobody told me that. Or they thought they did. Um, uh, Bradford Walker Minson mentions gold buying. That doesn't seem to be a big problem for me other than inflation. Uh, I've always enjoyed the gold making and the auction house uh, parts of the game. Uh, that's really good idle stuff that you can do sort of off on a side monitor while you're focusing on something else. Um, and because of the gold buying system, you can actually use in-game gold to purchase game time, which is kind of nice for people who like to do that. Um, that game has shifted away from necessarily using the auction house in your trade skills with, few ex with a few really big exceptions. And that's sort of gone into instance farming, dungeon farming, trying to get special loot and everything like that. In other words, a grind, a time sink. Um, 
whereas the best gold makers don't sink time. That's they they spend a lot of time up front and set up a a business that makes them lots of gold. It's actually really enjoyable. I know it sounds if you've never played this sort of thing, it probably sounds like the dumbest, driest thing ever. Believe me, it's fun. Um, it it's not for everybody, but what is? Uh, so that's it. That's my, that's my uh, experience with World of Warcraft. Uh, the latest expansion is a good expansion. Um, the quests are enjoyable. If you avoid AAA gaming because you can't get away from the Death Cult, sorry, you're not getting away from it. Blizzard's fully converged. Um, you're gonna you're gonna nonstop be running around the world of Azeroth, helping homosexual couples get some special treat for their mate or something like that. It's it's there. Um, it's still too expensive. You know, a standard subscription is $15 a month. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it. And be, because of the seasonal nature of the game, even though there's a big jump in subscriptions at the beginning of an expansion, there's, there's nothing really to complete, right? The point of logging back on is to getting back onto the uh, treadmill. Not recommended. Um, interesting news, though, if you're into if you're into old school MMOs like you know the EverQuest, the vanilla World of Warcraft, and so on and so forth, uh, some news from Blizzard: they're actually releasing this month a uh, classic World of Warcraft, which is um, basic World of Warcraft plus the Burning Crusade with uh, hardcore servers. Have you ever heard of hardcore Diablo Warpig? Same basic idea. Once your man dies, you're out. Can't play that character again. And so players have been doing this uh, on a voluntary basis as sort of a, a skill, an expression of skill in classic World of Warcraft. And they've got a Discord server and rules and everything. Like you can't use the auction house. You can't trade with other people. You, you have to play solo and you can never die, right? Uh, so World of Warcraft is going to officially support that with new servers. The rules are slightly different, but it's basically the same thing. Um, yeah, if I want, if I had the time, if I wanted to spend more time playing an MMO, uh, that would be appealing. That would be really interesting, sort of a uh, play at your own pace, and you know, there's an element of skill involved, um, as opposed to you know playing the current season casino until you have enough good epic gear to laugh through everything. Uh, really cool stuff. I think it's a good idea, uh, but the retail wow, I don't think I can recommend. What else do you want to know? <laughs> That's that's how I know it was a good story, guys. Knocked him right out. Uh, let's see. What else is going on this week? Uh, for anybody still watching stuff on streaming services, I uh, just finished a nice time on the couch with 
I almost said the wrong name. Jack Ryan. The Jack Ryan series on, I think it's Amazon Prime. Yes. Uh, yeah, the one with uh, John Krasinski. Now, now you, uh, you watched the other two seasons, right? I just watched the first one. I really did enjoy it. I keep meaning to get caught up on the second and third. I just, you know, scheduling problems. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for making it low priority. Honestly, uh, I enjoyed watching them. Uh, the first season was really good, and I liked the second season. Uh, it had its moments, uh, and it had its characters. Uh, they introduced a couple of really fun re recurring characters. Um, a breakout character, I forget the guy's name, the actor's name, but he played Danvers in the old Homicide Life on the Streets. Um, plays an ex-CIA guy who you know, decided he'd rather be a filthy fixer instead. Hmm. Uh, really fun to watch. Uh, the third season has uh, more downs than the other two seasons. Notably, the, there are, let's see, three main female characters, and only one of them can act there's it's a thankless job too because she's playing uh jack right you know the new director of the cia um i did not know that yeah the yeah the new director of the cia you know this character it's a thankless job all her lines are awful but at least she can act the other two main female characters the love interest and uh you know the, there's another one that the love interest interacts with um I feel so bad for for my fiance because we're sitting on the couch every time those two had a scene together, and there were quite a few where it was just the two of them talking. I just burst out laughing. They are so it was, it was really hard to watch, but the rest of the cast is great, um, including a surprise turn by um, uh, what's it, is it Michael? Is it Michael Pena? The the, um, that is the actor who uh, did the uh, voiceover for the heists in Ant-Man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Michael Pena. Um, you know him as a goofy, chubby, comedic actor. Um, and he doesn't land every scene that he's in as his, you know, ruthless CIA wet work specialist, you know, the, the, the black ops guy, totally off the books. Um, but by the end of the season, him and the other sort of sidekick are the characters that you want to see most, like all the scenes with them in it are the fun scenes. Um, so yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Brian Renninger couldn't get past the beginning of the third season. Taking the Zodiac from the black sea to Greece was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, uh, the show is completely ridiculous. Um, if you can get past some of that and maybe go refresh your, refresh your drink or use the bathroom during some of the bad acting, uh, it's, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I'd be surprised if they make seen, any more. I still haven't seen the third, uh, season of Man in the High Castle, which I really do want to see. Oh yeah, best of luck with that one. I I couldn't. That that one lost me at the beginning of the second season when I realized that they were going to spend a whole episode 
doing nothing and telling me about characters I didn't care about. <laughs> well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, but I That's watched it. the second season. I, and I, I remember it not that. making me want to punch the wall, so. <laughs> um, so, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Yeah, how about you? See so your, oh, 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 while, um, while Brian Renninger's in the chat, I've already told this uh, to him, but I'm halfway through uh, the new author's compendium called Death Flex from Pylum Press. We talked about the Kickstarter a few weeks back. Got my copy. I'm halfway through it. Brian Renninger's story's really good. Um, the Shagduck guy. Why am I blanking on everybody's names when I'm supposed to talk about them? Um, his story's really good. There's a couple of other stories. Sky? Um, sorry? D. Ray Dordica? Yes. Yeah. I, I forget the author's name. Really cool stuff. Um, I'm enjoying so it so far. That's what he goes by on Twitter. So that's on Twitter, D. Redordica. Yeah. If, if that's if you choose your Twitter name and that's what I see you as, that's your name like forever. So I don't know. Well, that's why I forgot his name. <laughs> J.B. Jackson. Um, and I, I haven't say, finished I it. So have a copy of Shag that's like a couple of steps away in some direction man i thought the early reviews were hyperbole um and and shagduck sat on my shelf for a couple of months but i finally made myself sit down and read it which as you know is a is a bit of a feat uh the the it's the hype is real it is one of the best fiction books i've read I mean, in a few years, it's one of those things where for, for fiction, no, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say it like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's something written after 1980. It's, it's legit really good. It's just nothing, nothing I expect fiction to be like. And I mean that in the best way possible. I haven't been able to get very far in the book because, you know, scheduling, um, but uh, the parts I've read, I have really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, I have just passed the breaking and entering bit, uh, which is, you know, way in the beginning. So, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to finishing it. Yeah, that's so, yeah. Shagduck by J.B. Jackson. And uh, Pylum Press Pylum keeps, Press. They, they keep coming out with good stuff. Um, They've uh, I the I think these authors have a really good future. Um, I'm still reading the Book of Malazan. It's a ten book series. I'm somewhere in the middle of book four. It's uh. I have no idea where the series is going. None.
you know how George R. R. Martin just introduced a bunch of new uh, point of view characters and then lost the plot and just stopped writing for 11 years? Uh, I do not. Malazan, uh, the guy who wrote Malazan uh, introduces a bunch of new point of view characters and then keeps a hold of the plot and keeps it all going and each book has its own internal story so it's a complete in itself but then the next book picks up threads from the previous you know books and keeps going with that and keeps on expanding the world and everything so it's like you know, what if George R. R. Martin was less concerned with trying to prove something to, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, trying to scream out, you're not my real dad at J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien, and was more concerned with actually making a book. Uh, it's been a great series so far, though. Love it. What else was on your mind, Warpig? You haven't been playing many video games lately, have you? I really haven't been playing any video games lately. Good for you. Not really. Um, I mean, Star Gate, Star Crash, Star whatever the new uh the new bethesda uh space rpg is coming out pretty soon um in september i think brian jones says starfield starfield that's it um so they're using their same old engine, so supposedly there's a thousand planets you can explore in their galaxy, and you can design your own spaceships and stuff. Um, cool. And I'm afraid what's going to happen uh, is that it'll be a Bethesda game. <laughs> Because, see, I like Bethesda's RPGs. I like how they make them. But they have a well-deserved reputation. Yeah, Let's they do. just say that. So, um, apparently Baldur's Gate 3 has sold 800,000 copies. Oh, good mention. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 just came out. And uh, the uh, the only thing I know about it is that in the teaser, they let us know that Minsk was back. Which, uh, what more do you want? Is this like 60 years later than Baldur's Gate 1 and 2? Sixty. Yeah, it's like a while after. 
it's a long time after. Well, that's not going to stop the fan favorite from showing up. <laughs> Silly mortal. A century of time will not stop fan service. Right. I did notice, however, it's possible to create physically attractive player character, which I didn't think was allowed anymore. So, you know. I'll tell you, that. no, it's not a Bethesda game. Or an Ubisoft game, or, a, you know. <laughs> uh, Bioware game, or a, whomever. Um, let's see. Uh, I didn't get the last word on Activision Blizzard being sold to Microsoft, but it seemed like all the legal hurdles were being cleared out of the way. Yeah, the, the legal, legal hurdles in the U.S. are cleared. Um, last I heard, the, the EU courts still have a problem with it, but the impression I was gotten, because I didn't read too closely, the impression I got was that that's a, that's a technical problem. It's just a matter of time. Oh, yeah, it was the British gaming council this is what they think this is this is their hang-up the british gaming council they are absolutely convinced that cloud gaming uh is the next big thing and by buying activision blizzard microsoft is going to become the monopoly over cloud gaming for the next 20 years um and they just do not want that so they're holding it all up over, I think, a gross misreading of the market. Because unless you've got gigabit internet to every house in you know, Europe and America, cloud gaming is not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a huge thing. I think you're probably right. Or at least um, this might be one of those cases where Microsoft is a few years ahead of the curve. You know, you recall the online, you know, the cloud stored uh, original Xbox One. There's a there's a great uproar over that. And, you know, a few years later, it just became standard for everybody. I mean, uh, on the other hand, maybe, maybe Big companies shouldn't own everything. I know. I know. I just think if Microsoft could manage the companies they've already got in their stable, they wouldn't need to buy Activision Blizzard. Yeah, I mean, there is that. But even more than that, um, that's that's one of Microsoft's calling cards is brands that are dying or dead, buy them up while they're cheap. And Activision is one of those brands. Yeah. I want to see if the gaming industry wakes up and realizes what's going on before... Uh... 
before everything collapses. So, anyways, um, I tell you what I did see though. Yeah. Uh, I had some problems with my phone, so I took it in to get repaired. And then uh, my mom was going to come pick me up because I am recovering from the operation, so I can't drive. So my mother graciously drove me. Um, so I was stuck at the uh, place where the Apple store was, which is one of those you know, urban redevelopment areas that they make fun of on South Park. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's got the apartments and it's really pretty. I mean, it is really pretty. It's a really nice looking place. It's got the apartments and it's got all these, you know, high-end boutique stores and it's got a movie theater. And so I needed to go watch a movie for like three hours. So I watched Oppenheimer. Nice. I was going to say, we'll take your pick because all movies are three hours these days. Oh, but yeah, you went and see Oppenheimer. Everything that was at that theater was awful. There was the everything that I hadn't already seen was awful. There was Barbie. There was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um. And there was a couple of other really small movies that I had barely heard of that I just did not want to see. I will say this. Uh, the reason why I didn't want to go see Oppenheimer was because of uh, the nude scenes. Um, and they had been drastically exaggerated in the press. They made it sound like art movie nudity. Now, I don't. Do you know what I mean by art movie nudity? I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, because they were like, "Oh yes, Florence Pugh is nude, and and Cillian Murphy is nude." And the last thing I wanted to do was watch Cillian Murphy. You know, you were thinking like full frontal nudity. Yeah. No, Cillian Murphy is sitting in a chair with his legs crossed. And he's not wearing a, a shirt or pants. So you can't actually see anything. Technically, he's nude, but it's not art house movie nudity. Um, there are like three different nude scenes. They're all very, very short. So... They made it sound like this went on forever and, you know, was minutes long, explicit sex scenes. That is just not the case. So if you've been put off seeing Oppenheimer by this description in the media, they were lying to you for whatever reason. Um, for which I was grateful for. Um Neither actor has full frontal. I, uh, I read about a 
Oppenheimer, for those of you who don't know, is the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is the project head on the Manhattan Project, which developed the nuclear weapons that ended World War II. The first successful test of a nuclear weapon and then two weapons deployed in war. The movie covers part of his life as a physicist leading up to the events of the war and then um, the Manhattan Project and a little bit of his life after the war. Um, and it is a It is biographical in nature. If you've ever seen Walk the Line, which is about Johnny Cash, or uh, the one with about Freddie Mercury with Rami Malek that I can't remember the name of, mm-hmm. um, this is not that. That is a dramatization where they've taken a person's life and... Uh, made a story out of it. And, and actually, they make the same story out of all of them, uh, which they uh, made fun of in the Dewey Cox story. Um, in, in a movie called The Dewey Cox Story, Walk Strong, The Dewey Cox Story. Because they keep on rewriting people's lives into a fictional story in order to make it fit this pattern so it's big and dramatic and makes a satisfying story, this does not... I know there are some small liberties taken with reality just to make it fit into a movie, to make it comprehensible on the screen. Um, you know, dialogue written so as to be clear without a thousand different um, uhs, but, and so on and so forth. But it is not written so as to have an overarching plot other than the growth and development of Oppenheimer himself during the years that the movie covers. Um, And you can, so the movie is extremely well done. And for a movie that is I want to say like 95% people sitting around and talking. Mm -hmm. It is very engrossing because this is not an action movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not a fantasy movie. It's not a thriller. It's not an adventure movie. 
It's a drama. And all dramas are people sitting around talking and then going and doing stuff that isn't particularly necessarily exciting. Like they say, okay, well, what we'll want to do is set up a city in the middle of the desert with all of these buildings. And this is in one of the trailers. So I'm not really giving anything away. Um, So, did I just cut out? No. Okay. So, when you look at it, there are things happening, but they are, they're just the events that have to take place to show what's happening during these years. They're not over-dramatized to try and pump artificial, you know, excitement into the story. Uh, Matt Damon is in it. He does a great job as the general who is uh, uh, in charge of the military contingent. Cillian Murphy does an incredible job. Florence Hugh, who I don't think I've ever seen anything else she's been in. She does a solid job. Um, Emily Blunt turns in an excellent performance as usual because apparently she's just super talented. Um, and I don't remember seeing a lot of Josh Hartnett is in it. And he does a great job. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. He does an excellent job. Gary Oldman is in it as President Truman. He does a, a, an incredible job with a very small part. Um, it's just a really good movie. And everything they've done is impeccable in that sense. It is a cold movie. Um, and this is one of the things you've said about uh, Christopher Nolan is that his movies are kind of, I don't know that this is the exact word you've used, but it is the sentiments you've said. His movies are kind of uh, cerebral or clinical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Oppenheimer does not veer away from that. But the subject matter and the person at hand is kind of well-suited for that style. Because Oppenheimer himself was kind of a cerebral and clinical man. Um, even his fears uh, and his guilt is kind of a cerebral and clinical guilt over having invented the uh, atom bomb. Um, but yeah, everybody who's in it turns in great performances. Um, it is compelling. Now, this is what I was trying to say. Despite the fact that it is 95% people talking, um, or 90% people talking, it is compelling. 
Um, and I did quite enjoy it. It is not a movie that I enjoy in the sense of I want to see that again because it was fun and exhilarating. Like I could watch Inception again pretty much any time because I just love that movie. It is fun. It is fast paced. There's a lot of action. It's imaginative. You know, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. This movie is long and it's a journey through Oppenheimer's mind and his um, striving to get this bomb built in time to defeat Nazi Germany. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a really good movie. And on that sense, I cannot recommend it highly enough. You, you ought to go see it. You ought to go see it in the theaters. And, and if you have it available and you can, you ought to go see it. I'm thinking in IMAX. Um, really? Even for, for something that's mostly talking. The pieces that are there that would benefit from IMAX really, really, really need IMAX. Hmm. So there's a lot of it that, and it's been so successful in IMAX that uh, I just read a news story. They've extended its run at all the IMAX theaters in the country for another like three weeks. They've just booked every IMAX theater in the country for another three weeks. Wow. Because um, it's been so successful in IMAX. Um there are just parts of the movie that demand to be seen in IMAX. I couldn't go see it in IMAX. I saw it on a regular movie screen. But the emotional impact would be much, much greater in IMAX. So if you have a chance to, I would highly recommend going and seeing it in IMAX. Um, uh, and an aside, if Dune 2 is coming out, and if you can at all see that in IMAX, I would highly recommend go seeing that in IMAX too. I just saw a uh, comparison shot of what you see on, you know, 75 millimeter versus IMAX. And it is night and day. That is something you should definitely go see in IMAX. Um, I, I really hope I can go see that in IMAX because it looks spectacular. It looks like it will be spectacular in IMAX. Um, People have come out of the movie saying they were depressed. They were shocked. They were appalled at man's humanity to man. They couldn't believe it. And I'll be, I will level with you folks. If you were in Gen X and you grew up with the day after and you grew up with, you know, Mad Max and Hell Comes to Frogtown and all those uh, post-apocalyptic Italian movies. And you grew up with the anti-nuke movement and the peace movement and all of the propaganda in college classes and in social studies and on TV and Carl Sagan and all of this. 
I don't see how this can be at all a depressing movie because it's like, you know, a good 50% of my entertainment as a child started where this movie ends. Um, it just, so I guess if you're a younger viewer and you've never really thought about nuclear Armageddon and missiles flying, um, and I hope I'm not spoiling the movie for you. Dr. Oppenheimer builds the atom bomb and they drop it on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then the Soviet Union gets the atom bomb in 1949. And so they build better atomic weapons. And then they build missiles to carry those atomic weapons and he gets kind of, you know, afraid of all these missiles in an atomic holocaust. So, you know, spoilers. What happened in history happens in the movie. He gets afraid of that. And they've got a, a, a shot of atomic missiles flying in the sky. Um I really don't consider something that's on the lines of World War II happened, then World War II ended to be a real spoiler. So, you know, suffer. Um, <laughs> they do not show the explosions over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, because this is not a movie about that. This is a movie about Oppenheimer. He hears about it on the radio. So you see here's reactions, the reactions of all the scientists and families at Los Alamos uh, in the middle of the desert and the meeting they have, the rally they have after it happens. So yeah, it is uh for anybody who grew up during the Cold War, this movie is not going to be especially depressing or surprising. Apparently for younger people, they, some of them have posted on Twitter that it was traumatizing. They're like, I can't believe that human beings dropped an atomic mom. I, I can't believe there, there was nuclear missiles that they were going to send to wipe out life. And I'm like, kid. That hasn't changed. Where do you think you live? <laughs> this is planet Earth. What, what do you think people have been talking about when they've been, been complaining about some of the wars? We don't want atomic war. We've been thinking about this since we were, you know, in grade school. So... Be prepared to not be as depressed as some of the people on Twitter. If you're that, if you are, uh, if you're that old, you know, if you've ever seen Steel Dawn with Patrick Swayze. Red Dawn. No, no, Steel Dawn. Never seen Steel Dawn. Steel Dawn is a post-apocalyptic movie with Patrick Sweezy where he plays uh, one of those hard-bitten 
people in the nuclear apocalypse aftermath, and uh, he's trying to help a village against a bunch of evil marauders. Oh. So I'm going to have to look that one up. Or Exterminators of the Year 3000, or I'm sure the audience can shout out a bunch more of these. But yeah, Nuclear Holocaust, we know it. Um, or if you've ever read the Deathlands novels, um, it just... It was just an assumed part of, of my life growing up. Uh, or played the Fallout video game. Do you remember Fallout Kids? Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Fallout 70. Surely you've. So, yeah. Very good movie. Very, uh, very compelling character study. Um,. Christopher Nolan has made a ve another very, very successful movie. Um, and uh, it's doing very well at the box office. So, you know, I don't know what he's going to make next, but he continues to produce movies that uh, I really enjoy seeing. Even the ones I don't like as much, I still really enjoy. Uh, that's outstanding. He's got quite a track record. Do you have any questions? Maybe some things uh, I might have forgotten. Or uh, I, I've only read a little bit here and there about the film. And... I understand that most of the drama is centered around Oppenheimer, of course, and uh, you know his group, all the group of scientists in the Manhattan Project. Is that so? Is the is the drama mostly around uh, all of them? Yes, except that um, it also goes into Oppenheimer's private life. Um, The framing story, and this is what the movie starts out with, is him having to explain his life to this investigation committee. And so a lot of personal details about his life are also covered. Who his friends are, um, he was involved in labor organization, things like that. So you do get a good insight into his private life, which is actually really important to what goes on in the movie. Okay. So it's not just the physicists. It's not just the Manhattan Project, but also his private life. Um, and it's very, uh, it's very well done in that sense. Every scene that they do is short but no shorter than necessary and no longer than necessary. It moves at a fast clip. And that's one of the things that keeps it from being boring 
is because there's so much material to cover over such a long period of time that most scenes, there's not a lot of extra space for it because you've got the rest of the movie to get to. It's edited very tightly. But there's enough time to get in, do what the scene needs it to, and then get out. I think I get it. Um, that's about all. That's about all I, I wanted to know about it. Uh, it's. I'm surprised you enjoyed it so much for being a long film, but it, you spelled it out. It did not feel like a long movie. I barely noticed that it was three hours long. The music helps. They've got really strong music underneath it that keeps up the tension. Um, and it moves quickly. Um, and the performances are compelling performances. Or at least strong enough that they don't take away from the drama of the movie. Wow. Well, then maybe I'll I'll put it on my list. I, I tell you what, it's it's been a while since I wanted to do another three hour film, but uh, you know it's supposed to be something like ninety five degrees here on Tuesday, so maybe I'll go see it then. <laughs> oh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy three just came out on Disney Plus, so I may give that a watch and review that sometime. I've heard that was actually pretty okay. I've heard it was <laughs> better than okay. Quantum. I've heard it was better than Quantum Mania, and I watched Quantum Mania. So, in for penny, in for pound. Yeah, I still haven't caught up on like Black Widow or the Eternals or Shang Chi or man, the Marvel movie is just looking like it's going to crater. It, it it's just getting worse and worse and worse. People, oh yeah, they've been putting just, out so much garbage. You can just feel that dread coming. <laughs> Di Disney has lost a billion dollars this year in movies. A rounding error. Sooner or later, even Disney has to notice that kind of money. That's uh. Losing a billion dollars, even in Hollywood's terms, that's, even on Disney scale, that's huge. It's a lot. Uh, so, Barbie just passed a billion gross. I don't know how the hell that happened. No, that's, that's still not enough to make me want to go see the movie. I do not want to see the movie. <laughs> No, Daddy Warpick, it, it, it got a billion dollars. There must be something there. I don't know not what's there, but I, but yeah, I'll tell you what's not there, not me. That's, <laughs> that's what's not there. I still haven't seen the Mario Brothers movie. I want to see that so I can, you know, review it. 65 million or whatever that was called. I want to see that with Adam Driver. 
several movies I didn't see that were recent releases, recent, that is in like late 2022. Uh, Mission Impossible was great. You want to go see that? I'm going to give that another plug. I uh, got a got a plug for Mario in the chat. I actually heard Mario was was kind of cute, but it's Slim Pickens out there, man. It is. It's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> I don't even want to go and try to look at what films were playing that day to tell you what else I I passed up on. Oppenheimer was literally the best choice. And that was with me dreading art house nudity. I was like, okay, fine. If I have to sit through full frontal of, of Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, I, did, I will sit through full frontal of Killian Murphy before I watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie. Oh, that looks dreadful. That was my opinion. Oh, that art style's awful. Yes. You see the choice I had to make. My goodness. Fortunately, yeah. it was not in the movie. But yeah, that was the choice I was making. I was just like, oh. all right. Screwed up my lines. I must say this. I don't know where Florence Pugh came from. I don't know what her early career was like. But I know she's gotten a lot of work recently. And I'm still mad she's in Dune. She plays Princess Irulan, who's supposed to be this one of the greatest beauties in the entire galaxy yeah no nope. virginia madsen pulled it off she was luminescent she was ethereal just incredible i don't think oh here's here's something you might have seen her in uh she was in midsummer that was like her big break and she was also in Black Widow, which you might have watched. Oh, is she the sister in Black Widow? Yeah. I haven't seen either of those. So that's why. Me neither. Okay. Well, that explains why I don't know who she is. <laughs> I, mean, I do now. And she did a good job. I'm not saying she's not talented, but there's a difference between being a talented actress. There are a lot of talented actresses who also couldn't play the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. And I'm not yep. saying they're bad people. They're not. They're, that's just not their range. I couldn't play the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. You could give it a try. Sure. I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> Doesn't make me a bad person. Doesn't mean I don't have talent, just not within my range. So apparently Jody Sweeten is also a new and upcoming actress. And the reason I don't know her is I didn't watch Euphoria. Um which is where uh the most recent MJ from Spider-Man came from. Whose name I can't remember. Zendaya. 
Zendaya, yeah, I was going to say, she has one name, and I can't remember it, who is also in, you know, Dune. Miscast, I think she was horribly miscast in Dune. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to Dune 2. That's a movie I'm genuinely excited for. Yeah, I might catch that one in, in IMAX. Um... What else? I can't think of anything else coming up, period, let alone something. Oh, yeah, Transformers Beast Wars just came out on streaming, so I might catch that in review. Oh, yeah, I, I lasted five minutes on that one. Did you watch it on streaming? or I, uh, someone, someone who lives in this house started it on streaming, and after about five minutes, I had my phone out. Um. So what else? That's it. That's the blood that's on the floor. Well, sounds like a good time to wrap it up. I had fun chatting about stuff today, Daddy Warpig. How about you? Yeah. I actually enjoyed the time I spent with Oppenheimer, unlike a lot of the other things I've watched. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I, I saw, uh, I saw Gordon Say that again. I saw Quantum Mania. Yeah, man, that. I'm glad you took that bullet. I, I just deserved a good movie. I deserved being able to go to the theater and watch a good movie. <laughs> After so long, somebody finally made one. It was like, wow, it has reinforced my. Uh, my faith in Christopher Nolan. That he's just a good filmmaker. So. All right, Warpig. I think it's time to call it a week. Sure. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, I love doing the show with you. And uh, I hope uh, we had some fun times in the chat. Uh, have a great week, Simon. Bradford, Brian. Brian Renninger. And... I think that's uh, everybody who's chatting. I hope everybody listening later enjoys the reviews, stays the hell away from World of Warcraft. I'm done for the week. So is World of Warcraft just basically a live service game now? Always has been. It's, well, it's, it's been an MMO. Been, it's always been an MMO, and uh, it still plays like an MMO, but it's it's seasonal in nature. The, the, the mindset is more like an esport than a uh, an MMO. That's sad. They were just hoping that'd make them more money. Absolutely. And that's why Microsoft's going to buy them. All right. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who listened live and uh, participated in the chat. I want to say thank you to everyone who will listen later. This has been Geek Gab for Monday, August 7th, 2023. You can catch us here at our new time, uh, which is 10 p.m. Eastern, um, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, just about every week. 
and youtube.com slash geekgab. Once again, that's youtube.com slash geekgab. Or you can get us on the iTunes store on soundcloud.com or the Google Play store. Just do a search for geekgab to subscribe to us on the device of your choice or to download to your computer. Listen to us on the web. We are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.